Good day and welcome to the latest edition of the Story Behind the Stories. I'm Owen Devereaux sitting in the big chair for Ken Waddell this week. Uh, Ken and Kate Jackman Atkinson unable to make it into this week's edition. But fortunately we got some great uh, people who stepped up and decided to sit in the fancy, the fancy sofa. Decided eh? Yes. <laughs> we have uh, Cassandra Verhan who is uh, here today. And we have Kira Patterson. They're both plaited up, ready to go. It's Plaid Thursday here at NACTV and the Nipawal Banner and Press. I didn't get the memo, <laughs> but I'll try and make up for it next week, perhaps. Cassandra, Kira, always great to have you guys sitting in and uh, sharing some of your stories with us. So uh, great to see you here today. It's great good to be, be here. here. Sometimes. <laughs> oh, I know, I know that's a lie. They don't want to be here right now, but we'll plug along anyway. Great edition of this week's paper. The last couple of weeks, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't, we don't like to pat ourselves on the back that much, but the last three weeks, in my opinion, have been pretty solid. Very steady, consistent news, full of valuable information. This week, no exception. On the front page of this week's edition, we talk about a very interesting story and a very important story, I, I believe. Uh, there's going to be some major work done on the uh, Lake Irwin Dam Spillway. Um, this is something that just came out recently. A representative, uh, several representatives with Manitoba Infrastructure came to Nipawa to explain the process to some of the property owners who live along the lake about what's going to be happening and why it needs to happen. I had no idea, quite honestly, some of the details of the spillway. I had no idea of its history, and they explained that to me in, in a very thorough fashion. It was very intriguing, actually. And I'm not being sarcastic here. I was genuinely intrigued by the, the whole thing. The fact that it was built in 59, the fact that it was originally built to, to be our uh, water supply system for the town, and, and of course the fact that it is deteriorating. It's at about 12 to 15 percent deterioration. Right now, it doesn't need to be fixed, according to representatives with Manitoba Infrastructure, but it's probably in everyone's best interest to do it now. Better to do it early, as opposed to doing it too late. Uh, they're going to be uh, doing some work on it and explained exactly what type of work they're going to be doing on it. Uh, sort of putting in a temporary dam, clearing it out, dropping it down about two feet when it comes to the amount of water that goes through, doing the repairs. It's going to be sometime in the late summer, early fall. They're optimistic that they'll have it all done by November. And um, it, it's great to see that Manitoba Infrastructure is going to be stepping up. They, they didn't want to say publicly what it's going to cost, but they will be taking care of the bill. And of course, all of us here, we don't like to pay any more taxes than we need to. So that being looked after by Manitoba Infrastructure, I'm sure is going to be a relief to everyone down at the town office. I'm sure it's going to be a relief to everyone who's got to cut that check every year. So you guys had an opportunity to, to read the uh, story. What, what was your takeaways from uh, what's going to be happening over there? Well, it's kind of interesting. And of course, it is, like you said, better to deal with it now than later. It'll hopefully cost less now as opposed to waiting, right? Yeah. So um, it's good that they're, uh, they're taking care of that now. And I thought it was interesting because I don't know much about any sort of developments in Lake Irwin. I know where Lake Irwin is, but you know, don't yeah. know 
whole lot of the history except for like it's man-made etc but uh, something I didn't know here was that the spillway was built in 1959 so I thought that was really cool to learn that yep 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 the history behind it was uh, very interesting Ikira what's your take um pretty much exactly what Cassandra said but I was also just wondering because it was used for municipal water supply it's not still is it no no no, no, no. no. oh god I was no. gonna say I, it's kind of a little bit murky now <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it was also used as like a beach for a while too right it was and maybe this is a good thing because i'll be honest before i moved to nipawa i had no idea that lake Irwin even existed mm -hmm. uh, when i moved here i realized that, that was there and i learned some of the history behind it and it was a little disappointing that it used to be so much more mm -hmm. And now it's sort of deteriorated to where it is at this point in time. I think maybe we took it a little for granted. Um, hopefully when this work is done, maybe the town and the RMs are able to work together and, and maybe come up with some concepts for it. Because it's, it's something that could be a jewel. You just have to look down the road to Minnedosa and see what they're doing with Minnedosa Lake to see what could be achieved. I'm not saying it could be happening here, well, let's have a conversation about it. Mm -hmm, for but, sure. Yeah. Because at one point, it did happen here. Like, at one yep. point, it was where kids took their swimming lessons. It was where they went out for a day at the beach. Like, yep. it was a really nice place. So um, doing these repairs will potentially open the door for more improvements, which would be nice. I'm definitely hoping so. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to shift gears over to the uh, editorial pages. Ken and Kate came up with some perspectives this week that... I thought was very intriguing. Ken, of course, was talking about recycling and some of the failures that are coming out publicly with the Canadian recycling program. And it, it, there are some things that really aren't working well. Um, he goes through, he talks about the issue that's happening with Philippines, with uh, garbage over there. They state that it's garbage. We classified it as recycling. And now we've had this ongoing issue with that. He talks about some of the history behind that. He talks about some of the research that has been done recently, saying that our recycling programs aren't doing what they need to. They're not achieving the goals that they set themselves out to. Um, he doesn't offer much in terms of how we can change that. But we do need to take an observation. We need, need to take a look at it. Obviously, you guys, what is, you know, this is something that your generation is going to have to deal with. My generation screwed it up. You guys are going to have to fix it. Lucky so what's your take on what maybe we could be doing to make recycling a little bit better? Let, let's go with you first this time, Kira. See, I mean, there's not a ton of people in this country. Um, we had discussed this a little bit before we were actually on air. Um, but you would think for the amount of people in this huge country that there wouldn't be that big of a problem with with the garbage and recycling and that kind of a thing. And the fact that Canada is a little bit starting to get um, kind of forward thinking and a lot of people are very focused on recycling and that kind of a thing. It's in schools, it's in homes and all of that kind of a thing. You would think that we would almost have our own system to deal with it instead of just shipping it off yep. to Asia to get, let them deal with it. So I don't really understand why we don't have plants and like processing facilities for these types of things here because it can't really be that much garbage for the amount of people that live here. 
and we don't really make it all that rewarding for people to be able to recycle. Mm -hmm. uh, you were in Europe, and I think you told us once about um, in other countries, um, there's certain recycling schedules where you can get real money for recycling, mm -hmm. essentially. And maybe that's the type of incentives we need over mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that there's a lot more that can be done. Um, and there are a lot of countries that are doing it really, really well. And maybe we can take an example from them and get some ideas and maybe figure something out because yeah, like really it's not, it's not in a good place right now, shipping garbage. Like even just the sorting of it, people know rinse out your yogurt containers, like separate your plastics and your papers, keep your aluminum cans in a different bag, keep your glass separate. People know these things, but they don't always follow it. And that is kind of, kind of an issue as well. And that's even just straight from the household. That's one thing that can be done as well, because obviously the problem with the Philippines is that it was that there's too much garbage mixed in with the recycling. Yeah. If we didn't have that problem, maybe we would be able to send it to the Asian countries where there are the facilities that they can reuse these things yep. and then it would be a lot more viable but yeah obviously there's there's problems on every level of it right mm -hmm. yeah Cassandra what's your take is it a, a case of right from the home is the issue is that maybe we as a as a country we don't know enough about proper recycling and that's causing these types of issues well it's it's partially the home but it's also in a large part the system itself um, you know, people at home, maybe they're putting cardboard, which can be recycled, into their cycling, but, you know, it's got food residue, you know, they had a pizza yeah. and the pizza box they're putting in their cycling, it shouldn't go there, it should be in the garbage, because, you know, anything with food residue, it can't be in recycling. It contaminates everything else in there and makes it garbage. Um, so there's that, and then as well, and I don't know if anything can be done about this on, like, some sort of systemic level or what have you, but there are things out there that have recycling uh, symbols, yep. but you can't actually recycle them. And so that plays a large part as well. But then there's also like our system for recycling isn't as advanced. Like no. Uh, no. I think it was Japan, their system for recycling is crazy. They have everything set out so that, you know, this goes in here, this goes in here, this goes in here, and they can recycle pretty much everything. So we, we need to really have something more like that so that, you know, things that can actually be recycled are going to the recycling, but they're also being separated from things that they can't go with, uh, and then they can be properly, you know, dealt with in our recycling system. Um, and then also in regards to, like, the sort of, I guess, financial benefits yeah. of recycling that you mentioned. I believe it was, I think, Denmark or somewhere in the Netherlands. I, I don't quite recall. It was a long time ago that I've seen this, but they actually had stations throughout the city or whatever it was where you could go and you could put in, like, plastic bottles, and it would give you, like, $2 or something for that plastic bottle. And it was just all throughout the city, and it was really, really easy to do. Yeah. So, you know, we need to take a look at these things and learn from them and make our system better so that we can actually deal with this in a proper way because recycling is viable just the way that we're doing it isn't it's not where it needs to be it's a conversation that needs to be had uh, not just on a local level but on a, uh, a national 
and of course international level because this is not something that's going away and Canada has to do its part we might think we're just a small portion of the problem but still you know it all adds up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When it, well, it segues a little bit into what Kate was talking about this week um, Canada as a nation we're we believe we're a big nation but in the grand scheme of things we're a small fish in a very big pond and when it comes to business uh, so there have been several examples of that. Kate cites one of the most recent ones, uh, the majority stake of uh, a Manitoba success story. Uh, High Life Foods Limited has been sold to an international company, a Thai-based conglomerate. Now, the question is, why sell internationally? Why not sell to a, a Canadian company? Well, the fact is, and Kate lays it out very eloquently, is that internationally is where the money is. Canadian business, you know, cannot compete right now with some of these international companies. That's just the sad reality of it. We'd like to be able to keep these things within, within our borders, you know, but that's the reality is that uh, money talks. L let me throw this out there to either of you right now. Uh, a case perspective on, on how, how things are evolving and how we are becoming a global community in a way. What, what, what's, your, what's your feel on that? You know, I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm not entirely too sure what I, what I think on the matter. I mean, it's interesting to read about, but mm -hmm. I don't think I can formulate really an opinion on this. Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that uh, I've never really thought about though, and uh, uh, the High Life Company is, a, I think, a good example, and hopefully it'll still, uh, um, you know, have those values that benefit Canada and, you know, the community. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I really don't know what to think on the issue. Do you think, I'll throw this to you, Kira, do you think it's a case of fear of the unknown? People are afraid of these international companies coming in because they, quite honestly, don't know about them. Up until this happened, I had no idea who CPF was. Mm. But now they're going to be running Nipawa's most significant company. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think that's sort of part of it? I think that could be um, the fact that they are such this huge company and they probably have a global market as well and I mean High Life did have a global market or does have a global market but um, the fact that CPF, is that what it is? CPF? Yes. They, yeah, they, um, they're just that much bigger and potentially they could put something else in that like undercuts high life, maybe that is a fear. But to be honest, I think it's um, I think it's kind of this mindset she she mentions. Kate mentions a little bit in here a mindset that a lot of Canadians that were surveyed that own a business are planning to sell in the next few years, mm -hmm. and it's almost like maybe they're not. I, I don't know if it's they're not as greedy and they want oh we need to make this a billion dollar company before we sell, or if it's that okay, we've done what we set out to do and now we'll let somebody else take it over. We've made enough money for ourselves and let's let somebody else do all of the hard work now that we've, we've kind of set the groundwork and all that kind of a thing. So I'm not sure what exactly the mindset is um, behind wanting to sell, but I, to me, I don't think it's as much as a, of a fear factor as it is with kind of maybe a satisfaction with where you're at yeah. um, and happy to sell at this point kind of a thing. But yeah, I'm not sure. Well, it's a big topic. Uh, it's hard to fill, figure it out in a mm -hmm. half hour. 
So, but given opportunity to read Ken and Kate's columns, they're both very intriguing to, to see the perspectives that they bring to the table. Mm. We're about halfway through the show right now, so we're going to get moving a little bit quicker. We're going to go from C to C to C with Kira Patterson. Kira, <laughs> walk us through this interesting feature you brought to us this week. Okay, so a um, little shout out to uh, Muriel Gammy. She was the one that gave us the tip on this. She actually hosted um, this lady who is hiking the Great Trail, which used to be known as the Trans-Canada Trail, from the Atlantic in Newfoundland, I believe is where she started, up to the Arctic, and then back down and to the Pacific. So she's actually originally from Germany, but she's been a Canadian resident for about 11 years. And, um, and yeah, so she's doing this huge hike. She'd come back from two years in like Asia, Australia kind of area, and had to come back and make some money and she just wanted to travel again. So she thought this was how she would see her country, her new country. So um, it was kind of a cool story. Uh, she came into the office and gave, a, gave me a little interview. We had a little chat and then the next day I went out and took some photos of her out in the park. She has an adorable dog and it uh, actually found her on the trail. She didn't start off with this dog. It, uh, they were in St. Malo and they were walking along the trail and this dog just started following her and she couldn't find anybody that would claim it. So she just decided to adopt him and his name is Mallow because she found him in St. Mallow. So there's a lot of cute little stories in here and um, some information about how she's going about doing this and um, why she wanted to do it and that kind of thing. It's actually a really interesting story. I really enjoyed writing it. There is so much more detail that I wanted to include, but we literally ran out of space on the page. Yeah. so couldn't include everything but yeah it's a really cool story and you can follow her on Facebook she has a Facebook page between sunsets a trail story and she also has a blog which is also I think between sunsets.ca or something like that um, you can find that through her Facebook page as well so yeah if you want to read up on her read the paper and then go to the internet and see her whole journey it's pretty cool it was an interesting feature it's available on page 12 of this week's edition of the Nipah Banner and Press of course you can pick that up on the streets right now anywhere in Nipawa, or if you want to check it out online on uh, Friday, the uh, 3rd of May, it will be available on mywestman.ca. Once again, page 12. Going over to Cassandra as well, you've been uh, very busy this week. You checked out a meeting uh, regarding tourism and, and giving the business sector a little bit of an update on what they've actually been doing the last year, haven't they? Yeah, it was a really interesting meeting and there was so much covered there. So if you want to know what tourism is up to, give this a good read. It's on page 11. There's so many things covered there and I think they're doing some really good work. Um, one of the things I was really interested to see is they had uh, concepts of new signage shown on the screens there. And just the different concepts that they had in mind were, they looked so nice. And I think uh, whatever they end up doing, uh, it will certainly help, uh, um, you know, bolster that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Make Nipawa an attractive option. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's essentially what I was going for. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, uh, it's no secret I'm a member of this board. Actually, I uh, was just, uh, I just became the board chair for Nipawa Tourism for the year. Uh, so... Um, we're trying very hard and we realize there are limitations that we can't compete on the same level as Mendoza or Clear Lake. So we've got to come at tourism from a different perspective and we're trying to explain that to the business sector. And again, um, 
I wasn't able to attend the meeting actually myself, and we'll get to that a little bit later in this episode. Um, but uh, we tried to explain to the business sector, we're trying to come and add a different perspective, and, and they really sort of took to it. So mm -hmm. once again, Cassandra's got that on page 12, continues on to page 17 of this week's edition. As well, we're going to skip over. Kira and Cassandra really earned their pay this week. <laughs> they both put in a lot of work. Kira, you wrote about some students from, uh, from the region who are a part of ACC and took part in a provincial competition recently, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so they were two ACC students, um, one from Minidosa, one from Nipua, and they took part in a Skills Manitoba competition, which is basically um, trades, so like welding, carpentry, that kind of thing, um, as well as uh, technology. So the one guy actually won um, silver, in his um, competition, which was web design and development. That was Seth Gregorish from Minidosa. Mm -hmm. And then um, Aaron Frowork from Nipua, he won um, silver in the welding at the Skills Manitoba competition. And it's pretty cool because there were about 500 kids that came um, from all over Manitoba for this competition. And there was, I think, about 30 some competitions um, for the different trades and the different levels. And it was just really interesting to see um, how these trades and careers can have these opportunities um, that you don't really think of. And that's kind of what Skills Manitoba is about. They like to, uh, they like to, what's the word? Promote, <laughs> <laughs> promote um, trades because a lot of kids um, in high school are not thinking about that as an option. And uh, they are seeing a shortage in trades workers now and they need to kind of compensate for that by by recruiting more more from the younger generation so it was really cool to see how many kids actually in, were involved in this and how well these two local guys did and there's a few quotes from them and how it affected them and how they enjoyed the the competition so you can read that on page two it's, it's a pretty interesting read I, I enjoyed doing that one it's interesting obviously there's such a difference between the two you know graphic mm -hmm. design and and then and, and, uh, and welding welding yeah, yeah it's it, but but again ACC is like that yeah. it, it it prepares you for all facets of real life honestly a lot more than university usually yeah uh, uh, speaking as someone who went to university mm -hmm. i can attest to that yeah it's a lot more practical i would say than yeah. like theoretical type things so. yeah, it really is all right we're going to shift uh, very quickly uh nactv we're going to amalgamate a couple stories this week from cassandra about nactv a lot on the go on this station, is, uh, isn't that correct? Yes, and I'll sort of blend this together and keep it short as I can because we are running short on time here. But uh, NACTV is having their annual showcase. It's right around the corner here, coming up on May 16th. It'll be held at Arts Forward where people can go in for free and see it in person as it's happening. And it will also be broadcast live on the station. Uh, they're looking for entries, of course. Uh, anything performing arts, if you want to do juggling, etc. Feel free to uh, pick up a pledge sheet uh, and, uh, you know, generate some funds for the station and help it uh, provide this sort of content. And I imagine it's going to be broadcast in some really nice high-def resolution, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Just recently, they were able to upgrade all of their equipment, well, cameras, etc. Um, and uh, so it'll be higher quality. Their signal, I believe, is uh, stronger. Um, so it'll be very improved, and uh, there's some photos and whatnot that you can see on page two, I believe. Yes, page two. And it was really cool as well. Um, there was a few uh, 
old relics, well, more than a few, but uh, one in particular that sparked interest is this Kodak Brownie, it's called, and it's from like the 50s, sort mm -hmm. of, and it's about like that thick and about that long, I think. It comes in a brown case and you wind it up and there's a button on the front and you hold it down and it just starts running the film. And there's a bunch of different sayings that you can put on it. And yeah, it was really cool to look at. No picture of that, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, it was really neat. Yep, and of course, uh, as Ken alluded to last week, and I'll allude to it again, uh, this new technology is what you're seeing us on right now. Uh, everyone really is uh, feeling very good about what we've got here and, and how we're going to be able to move ahead with some cutting edge sort of uh, features and, and, and shows for the future. We got about five minutes left in the show. We're, we're probably going to have to just very give you the Coles Notes version of a few things. Uh, Minidosa, I recently took a travel down the road there. They're doing their budget discussions. Uh, this year, the budget's going to come in a little over $10 million. That's, that's over double what they spent last year. There's a reason for it. They're finally moving ahead with the construction of their new arena. Hopefully. They're still waiting a little bit of funding, possibly from the province and from the federal government, to fill in some of the blanks. If they receive this funding, which they think they will, they're going to move ahead with the project. They've already got a million dollars stored away in their... Uh, their arena fund. They've already received about, I think it was about $2.3 million in grants. They're going to put in a little bit from their reserves and this other funding should fill in the blanks. Um, there was one or two objections to it. They feel like they shouldn't be spending that amount of money for a community that's population is quite frankly shrinking. But they feel like it is in the best interests to move forward on this right now. So we'll keep you in the loop on that when they decide what they're going to do. Mm. Um, we got some uh, showcase, uh, another bit of a showcase uh, happening, Kira, don't we? Yeah. In terms of the uh, high school production, right? Yeah, lots of local entertainment in this, uh, the next coming weeks. Um, on from March 9th to, no, Mar May 9th to 11th, I believe, um, there is going to be the major production put on by NACI's Drama um, Club, and uh, that'll be happening at the Roxy. And uh, this year's is called Once on This Island. And if you don't know what that is, well, join the club. <laughs> Not many people have heard of it, apparently. Um, and, uh, but it's actually kind of, it's a based on a Haitian folktale. And it's about a little girl. She wakes up in the middle of the night, scared by a storm. And um, the villagers in this, in this village on, on this island, they tell her a story about um, a girl, a peasant girl, that fell in love with a rich guy. And so it's kind of a little bit of a Romeo Juliet-esque kind of uh, story, but obviously the ending is probably different. I don't know for sure because nobody wanted to spoil it for me, which is good because um, I'm going to go see it. And, uh, and what was that date again? May 9th to 11th. So it is coming up very soon. Very soon, yep. Yeah. So um, if you don't have your tickets, they are available at Arts Forward. Go and get them because, uh, as Mr. Chapman said, the show typically sells out. And uh, if you want to know a little bit more about the play, give it a read on page uh, 11. And uh, you can kind of see what it's about and know that you want to go see it. <laughs> All right. We're going to go on to our last story this week. Uh, a little earlier, I said I wasn't able to be at the Nipawa Tourism Meeting. That's because at the exact same time, Nipawa Minor Hockey was having its annual general meeting. Uh, several items were on the agenda. They're uh, partnering with the Nipawa Natives on a new 5-in-5 five five program. 
Very intriguing. You can check that out on page 13. The uh, outgoing president, uh, Jamie Dembo, is uh, no longer the uh, president. Uh, new president, Ryan Smith. I spoke with him, got a few thoughts on him. The one thing, there were nine amendments. Eight were passed. The ninth wasn't. It was in regard to the name change, potentially, for Nipomal minor hockey. Names of the teams are natives and hawks right now. It was brought forward that perhaps we should change it to Hawks and Junior Farmers. That was rejected. They said uh, there were too few people to make that decision. I disagree. I think publicly everyone knows my opinion. I think it's time we have that conversation about the team name. So I can understand where they're coming from saying that we had too few people here to make this grand decision. Well then, let's have the conversation. Put out a survey. Ask the parents. If they feel like the name needs to be changed, let's, have, let's start to work on that. And if they feel like they like the name as it is, I disagree with it personally, but I respect the majority. I just want to have the conversation. Let's talk about this. It's far overdue. But you can check that out on page 13. And again, I'm not saying I'm right here. I'm just saying... Maybe we need to take it, give it an examination. But hey, I've been wrong about other things, <laughs> and I'll be wrong about other things again. We're running short. I, I, we always seem to have so much crammed in, and we can't cover it all. There's so much other stuff. A couple features for this week's edition uh, on Home and Garden and on Mother's Day. You can check those out. And once again, if you have any tips for us, give us a call over at 476 3401 or send us an email either at news at nipawabanner.com or to sports at nipawabanner.com. I could always use a tip or two. This time of year it gets a little slow sports-wise. Once again I want to thank you very much for tuning in. Kira, Cassandra, thank you very much for stepping up. You both did a tremendous job this week. <laughs> uh, Ken and or Kate will be back and I'll be back because I got nothing better to do every week so <laughs> they keep making me sit here. I appreciate you sitting down with us and, and sharing uh, the story behind the stories. And that's all for now.